Welcome to Invisible Sidekick, a podcast where I sit down and chat with the creative mastermind behind some of your favourite music campaigns. My name is Cam, I've been a creative in music for nearly 10 years, and over the last decade I've crossed paths with some of the best creative talent in the industry, and I've managed to talk some of them into featuring in this series. And this week's sidekick is one of my good friends, French-Canadian creative director Laurie TB. So massive welcome to my favourite creative to ever work with, the legendary Laurie TB. Oh, hi. So Laurie, tell us about yourself. Oh my God, what do you want to know? Absolutely fucking everything. Oh, how long do I have? <laughs> like, how long is this podcast? So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do, what you specialize in, where you come from and take it from there, see how it goes. Okay. Love that. Okay, so my name is Laurie, Laurie TB on Instagram and pl- all platform. And I'm a creative director. I'm now based in, based in London. I come from Montreal, Canada. So the French part of Canada, if someone is wondering what my accent is. And uh, yeah, I work in the music industry. I've been working in the music industry since I think 2015. I did different kind of work and now I'm a creative director and I feel the need to say at this point that Laurie is a creative director that is very hands-on and is involved in every single aspect of the design process and executing her own stuff as well so she's she's pretty much in the um in the driving seat from the word go I I wonder if it's just because it's my need of control but yeah I can do that yeah and you know what I think we all love that <laughs> I think we all love to be a bit of a control freak don't we and, and uh, we are and like um, I know that I'm like this as well like um, I want to control every single aspect of a design process to the point where I'm a bit of a backseat driver and probably getting on everyone's tits are you talking about like micromanaging everyone I might be guilty of that <laughs> um, I try not to because that is the worst thing to do when you're involved in a project. That's the worst thing to do. Worst thing. Yeah, yeah. I am aware yeah, of it yeah, as yeah. well. What am I saying? No one's going to want to work with me again after being hearing this. <laughs> He's not like that, guys. He's not like that. I'm not. A little bit. Maybe. I don't know. I can be. I try not to be. Moving on. So me and Laurie have worked together on so many different jobs over the years, but more recently... We were both creative directors for American artist Ava Max for her European tour that we did all the screen visuals for. Yeah, it was the the best one, the biggest one. Yeah, oh, it was a biggie that. And if people knew how much work we did in such a short (laughs) period of time, they'd be all over us for delivery, that's for sure. And it was so fun at the end of the day. It was still, we made it fun and we made it like, we made it work, really. We did make it work. We come up with like a really, a really productive system. And for about two months after the, um, after the job was delivered and it was all, it, it was all ready to go. We were seeing so many videos and clips of, of, yes. of the show from um, a fan point of view and it was so good to see yeah but to see it on this on the stage oh my god what a what a good feeling yeah and because it was a festival run of shows um we didn't really Mm -hmm. know what um what the stage was going to be like for each of the shows so there'd be smaller stages that were a bit underwhelming but then when we get like a really big festival like a big show with the huge stages like she did one for coca-cola yes uh, with the floor with like the, the visual on the yeah. floor I and was we like, didn't know Ooh. that that was going on the floor it's like we haven't done the visual like exactly yeah we were like... i was all i was always like oh, 
I did that. What? This is such another see. scale. Yeah, it was really fun and it was really like because we, they really trusted us, so it was just we really did whatever we wanted to do, which was yeah. great. And for an artist to have two creative directors involved in the their tour visuals is a massive flex. Let's be honest. <laughs> And usually that would be a recipe for disaster or potential disaster if there's creative differences. But I think the reason why we work together so well, particularly on this project, is because there's things that you can I, do yeah. that I can't do. And same for you, same for me. There's things you do that I can't do. And that's that's why we work well together. Oh, 100%. And I think it's really important as well as a creative that you're, you're aware and honest about what you can't do just as much as you are about what you can do and what you can achieve exactly and know how to surround yourself with people that are better at things that you're not able to do yeah that's the best way to do yeah, it yeah definitely and there were so many moments that you send your stuff across and i'd be like how the hell has she done that there were so many times that you'd send your stuff over to me just just to have a look to make sure we're all on the same page and i'd be like how has she done that i'm thinking the same thing yeah, yeah. but it, it yeah was just, with your, was... what you're doing not what i'm doing but yeah, <laughs> and i was also. i was like blown away with like all the stuff that you've done and, and there was one particular section of the of the set um i think it was for the, the song salt yeah yeah and it was so beautifully black and white and trippy and eye-catching and i remember watching it being like this is sick Oh, thank you. And this is why she's here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You know, you know what? I feel like, uh, like you're so good with like also like treaty and stuff that is so like technical. My strong suit is stop motion, to be honest. And that part was all made in kind of a stop motion effect. And it's, I mean, stop motion is easy to do. You just have to like have good idea really and that's how i started with animation at the beginning the first lyric video i did was a stop motion lyric video in 2020 and i made it so complicated for myself because i didn't have any um adobe like premiere or motion like or uh, after effect or anything i did it like on my ipad in a random app and it was literally photo after photo after photo so i think i had like 300 400 photos in my stop motion lyric video and that was my first lyric video and since i'm like i stuck with the stop stop motion thing i'm not only doing that but i love to do stop motion and i just added like more interesting thing but yeah stop motion is my day one and let me just talk about this for a second, right? Because when I first met Laurie, I was absolutely blown away that Laurie did everything on an iPad. On an iPad. <laughs> it's right there. I still have it. I still have my iPad. I still use it every day. Mind blown, literally. literally <laughs> at you being able to achieve these incredible visuals by using nothing but a fucking iPad. And I felt decades behind stop it stop Worthless. it <laughs> stop it honestly craziness <laughs> i remember when i thought i was starting to think about getting a computer you know but the, the the story is i had a computer and the computer broke on the 1st of january 2020 and then i decided to buy myself an ipad instead because to be you fair, know the whole world why not 2020 exactly that was a sign that was the beginning of a really special year yeah weren't it just <laughs> 
<laughs> that was just just the first thing on the list. What a shit and, show 2020 was. Yeah, exactly. But the iPad really helped me uh, tap into my uh, creativity when it comes to stop motion and like graphic design because it's a little bit more easy with the pen and everything. It was a good way to start on Procreate to do stuff. And then two years later, I was like, maybe I should buy myself a laptop. And I remember when I texted you and I was like, do you think I can do After Effects? Is it really complicated? And you were like, it is, but once you understand how it works, you're going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's me, who has actually never owned an iPad. Polar opposite to you, never owned an oh iPad. Oh my God, I think you should. And I that always surprises I think... people. <laughs> like, I've got no use for a giant phone. It, it, it used to be more like a giant phone, and now it's more like a laptop, but flat. It's it really, like... There's so much thing you can do now. And it's for me, I'm more like a, I'm a really crafty person. And I love to do like, um, I love the organi organic way. Like I love to like draw and I love to do collages with like glue and stuff. So to have an iPad with like a pen, it like it's easy for me to create if I have like a proper pen in my hand. So, yeah. And when you were younger, were you into crafty stuff? Was you like a... Yeah. What was you a creative child? Yes. Um, who were your inspirations then as, as a kid? Um, when I was young, I was a really shy, introvert kid. I didn't have a lot of friends and I hated school because I was really bad at school, even if I was working really hard because my brain was just not like working for... My God, you're breaking my eye here. Oh, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> but it's okay. It's not, you know... I'm going to do a it's... social media call out and get you some friends. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the bullying and stuff then because I don't want to make you sad. But it's it's okay. I was like living in my right. own Who bubble. Right, who the fuck bullied Laurie? <laughs> who bullied you? I'm going to send the you want, I want a list of names. I, I do. Yeah, it's okay. And addresses. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like living Bastards. in my own... <laughs> You know, sometimes when you go through bullying, it makes you like tougher. So now I'm like, just watch me. But yeah, so I can kind of relate <laughs> to that. Although I was never actually bullied, but um, growing up during school, I had a really bad stammer. Mm -hmm. So um, I couldn't speak fluently like everybody else or like my peers. I used to fall over my words. Um, and it was only when I got older that I really like I really got control oh. of my of my speech and being able to speak as everybody else. I couldn't tell. Yeah, I think anyone who's only ever known me as an adult or um, who didn't go to school with me or didn't grow up with me would would have no idea. But it was a really big deal in my life um, for maybe probably throughout my entire childhood, especially high school because kids are horrible. Um, oh, God. Kids are the worst. No, it's okay. I love kids, but God, it's hard to be a kid. Yeah, it's really hard. Well, to be fair, um, and um, I'd have the odd time where like the odd person would maybe take the piss out of me. But oh, um, I'm so sorry. It was a bit frustrating because yeah. um, I couldn't even tell them to piss off if I wanted to because I couldn't get it out. Oh, stop it! Fucking stop. hell, I've really low tone here. It's so sad. It is. It is. Honestly. <laughs> Talk about trauma. Oh, no, tell me about it. People are going to be listening to this and be like, I'm not listening to the next one because what a victim they are. <laughs> it's okay. We get stronger because of it. We've gone through it. what we've gone it's, through. Available in it's all It's part merch. of the... Yeah, it's part of... We need to go through and that. To be fair, so. look at us now. We're working for famous people and you're on Facebook <laughs> looking for a washing machine. So, whatever. I wouldn't say it, but I've, maybe I'm thinking it too. And I so, will always say yeah. it to make up for all the years that I couldn't say it. So, okay. To come back <laughs> to the question, but... Um, Right, let's get back to it because we're just waffling now. 
this podcast is going to be three hours long. It's going it? to be, but it's going to be really interesting. Extended I'm version sure. coming soon. <laughs> so yeah, I was uh, a shy kid and I was living in my own bubble. I was like spending my weekends in my room. Um, at that time, I was really into dance. I've always been into music. All my hobby always were around music. Um, and at that time, I was really into dancing. I was taking a lot of dance lessons. Otherwise, I was into theater, like musical theater. I was not singing, but I was dancing and acting. And I will never sing, though. That's where I cross the line. And otherwise, I was really into uh, visual art, too. But I never really... I, I wasn't, I'm not really good at drawing, to be honest. I love to do it. But I'm not like really good. I always love uh, painting and drawing and collage and stuff like that. Uh, I think I'm good at collages, but painting and drawing is like I do it for fun, but I'm not like really good. But it was my way to express myself. It always been. Um, and also fashion. I always been into fashion. I was not talking a lot, but my style was talking for me when I was like, I don't know, 10. I was like really into like doing some looks ahead, taking some photos of my looks before like the big school started. And like, yeah, I was really into fashion too, so. I can tell actually that you were into fashion growing up because um, you've got such a unique, quirky <laughs> style. Oh, thank you. You're probably one of the only people that I know that I would recognize from the back purely purely by what you're wearing. Oh, see, branding. So moving on to your inspiration, because I know you were into music and fashion, but was there any artwork that you seen when you were growing up that really made you think, I want to do that as a job? Because I know that I have. Oh, uh, yeah, it's such a good question. What was yours? I'm just curious. Mine was Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Aww. And the story behind that was my sister, my oldest sister, Julie, mm -hmm. she, she got that album, she got that CD for Christmas one year. And I remember seeing the artwork and being obsessed with the layering and the blending of it and it just being super creative. Obviously, I didn't know what it actually was yet, but I just liked um, everything about it, the um, the colour scheme, the fact that it was a little bit trippy. Um, I liked the um, the old the old school typewriter font as well that's used on the on the album title. Um, and that really sparked um, a really strong interest in in like well in design as a whole really but more so the design side of music um and that was something that never really left me which is is probably the very reason i do what i do now how old were you um 96 uh eight oh although i loved that artwork it never really inspired my style of of design and artworking, but um, it definitely fills me with nostalgia now. But if I look back at it now, made you made you feel something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that just got more intense the older I got. The more artwork I seen, the more I grew up, and the more my um, the more I explored all different types of music. Mm. Um, yeah. And that would obviously be reflected in the different types of artwork that I'd seen. So powerful. Yeah, I, I mean, artwork is super powerful. I can remember the first time I seen the Nirvana artwork for um, for Nevermind, and that was such a bold and brave artwork. Now that I'm an adult looking back and thinking, that must have took some serious decision making for that to be approved. 
Yeah, so mine was Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. And the thing with Alanis Morissette, she actually become really renowned for having super creative artworks as her career progressed after Jagged Little Pill. So I always enjoy what she's doing next in terms of artwork. Um, so what was your artwork? Uh, yeah, so I grew up with a lot of music. Like, I, my dad is a musician. My mom was a custom designer. And I was what surrounded a combo. by... It, that's made that made me who I am. I think it's like visual sure, music. It is. Um, so my dad always brought CD home, like new CD home every week. So I always had a CD around. I don't remember which one was my first CD because it was always there, always new music to listen to. But the first, the real, the one I remember the most uh, was the Beatles, Sergeant, Sir, Sergeant Pepper. C Sergeant Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band. Thank you. What an amazing it's a long artwork. one. It, it, it's, for me, it was like the story. I could, I could stare at that artwork for so long and there's always something new to look at. And there's so much to say and people were, people were like um, creating all those story about what it meant. And it didn't mean that much, but it was just people were talking about it so much and it was such a nice story i really love the colors also so colorful i love what they did with this one that was the one i remember the most from where when i was young because i i remember that i didn't like the artwork of like britney spears because i love britney love britney with all my heart it was like so important for me when i was young but I remember looking at the artwork and thinking, I was, I don't know. I don't know who I thought I was. I was like 10. And I was like, I think they should have done something else. It's a little boring. Like, I remember thinking it was boring. Yeah, there never really any, like, great creative thought process behind it. I think if you're looking yeah. back, it was like just a typical no, studio it, shot. It was marketing. It was just her looking into the camera, look, looking like a little deer in the headlight and just like being cute and I'm like, okay, but what else? Like Yeah, to be honest, I don't think I've seen any Britney artwork that I think has has really had a lot of thought process behind it. Like a lot of her artworks always look a little bit overdone um and a little bit over the top over edited yeah almost yeah. like just some people experimenting in their bedrooms <laughs> wow that sounded way more seedy than it was supposed to and to be fair there was plenty of people experimenting with <laughs> Britney Spears in their bedroom at that time. where is this going <laughs> okay but I can say that I love a lot of her music video like toxic yeah, which she is definitely still makes up such with a the music videos exactly I think the artwork is a part at that time in that specific era of music it was really more about like selling the face of the artist it was all about selling the face of the artist especially if it was a woman and if she was cute it was all about that but then music video 10 on 10 like, yeah you know, and i have heard as well and i've read a few times that britney was quite heavily involved in the creative side of her music videos and the creative um, decision making yes apparently yes yeah imagine the comeback though imagine the impact she'd have coming back and showing the younger generation why she's the icon that she is imagine what that would look like britney call us britney britney call us the britney spears we will we sort will you out you're gonna love us like it's gonna be so good we're gonna give you the best visuals you've ever had the best music videos you've ever had the best artwork you've ever had and the best cup of yorkshire tea you've ever had from me 
Love that. That's a speech. That's how you sell your work. And that's our pitch. <laughs> so moving on, you're from Canada. So what are the main differences between the music industry in Canada and in the United Kingdom? Ah, oh, such a good question. I can't speak for the whole of Canada because I'm from Quebec, which is like the east French part of Canada. I know a little bit about Toronto. Is that where Celine Dion's from? Yes, me and Celine. <laughs> I just like generalize the whole of I Canada mean, with Celine Dion. I, if you want a little scoop, I worked on the music video for Celine Dion a long time ago, and it never came out. Shut up. But yeah, I'm not supposed to talk about it because, but I can't because I'm. It's a podcast, so you don't see it. But when I was doing styling, I was working on the video, styling the dancer, and the video never came out. So I don't talk about it because I don't have proof. So. Oh, right. So after this podcast, you're going to have to fill me in with everything uh, because that sounds really interesting. But I've had jobs in the past that, that I haven't seen light of day. Yeah. It's, it's really annoying. Isn't it? Like I've done some of my best work that I can't share. Exactly. It's just part of the thing. It is. And I can't repurpose it exactly. for someone else. You have to... Yeah, I can't repurpose it for someone else. It's just there. It's exactly. It's just a waste. It's part of the game. But yeah, um, so I know the French part uh, of the creative industry, musical industry and Canada. And it's really, really different from the creative and music industry here. And that's why I moved. Um, love my country. Love Canada. Love Quebec. Don't get me wrong. But there's a certain limit to what you can do in the music industry in Montreal. Um, because of course it's small because the French part is small even if it's a little connected with France it's still a really small industry compared to the English like American or UK music industry so you have a certain limit on what you can do and because the industry is small um, there's a certain way to do things people want to stay in line with a certain style it's always really simple it's always it needs to always feel like you know girl next door boy next something really like simple and at some point i felt like i my own creativity was dying there um love all my clients i had their great people and they do great work and there's amazing creative people that come from Montreal like Kate Trinada, Celine Dion or Denis Villeneuve you know all those creative genius Cirque du Soleil Cirque du Soleil you can say it with an English accent Cirque du Soleil so there's a lot of creative talent there it's just a lot of them have to get out of Quebec and and in order to do something so the reason why I moved here in the UK I didn't know anyone in this industry when I moved here uh, in the UK I just literally like just hopes and dreams and I just felt like the creative and music industry here is more about doing something new it's about breaking breaking um not boundaries a little both but it's just um being yourself it's a lot about authenticity and uniqueness the u.s feel a little bit more like there's a mold there you need to fit in a certain look but here in the uk i feel like it's more it's really more about being yourself doing something different getting like being different from everyone else and that's why that's what attracted me here and now that i'm here i'm like that's that's really what it is and i love it and I'm not just being biased because I am actually British, but um, I do genuinely think that we have the best music industry in the world. I feel so too, yeah. And I'm not just talking about great artists, I'm talking about 
incredible songwriters as well. Yes. Yes. And it's almost become like a bit of a standard assumption that artists over here um, write their own music or at least have a co-writing credit. What? Yeah, what I like about the the music industry here, there's a lot of uh, teamwork and it's not hidden. It's not like we don't try to hide the fact that there's a lot of people working on one song. It's collaboration and it's celebrating. It's celebrated. Like people love to like work together and like you said, a lot of what is new come from the UK. The new trend, it, if it, even in fashion, like it's the same thing. A lot of new trends come from the UK and then are just transformed once they arrive in the US. I feel like the UK is always one or two years ahead and when it comes to culture and art and fashion and music. And yeah, it's really inspiring. And even in design as well, I mean, we have some of the best design mm -hmm. agencies in the world. And we're definitely some kind of like design yeah. innovators because we always seem to do things first or we know how to do things better. And um, we always push like the boundaries, even in graphic design or whether it's in fashion or in music. Yeah. Um, we kind of take the lead where that's concerned. And I know that that is a bold statement. Yeah, exactly. And I find it really funny when people, a lot of people here ask me, especially uh, British people, they ask me, why did you move to like the UK and not the US? Like I hear, I hear that so often. And I, a lot of people don't realize how good it is here. Like they tend to romanticize what the US is. And I, I live like 45 minutes from the border of the US. I've been to New York so many times. I've been to the US so many times. And I'm I'm like I'm always like, have you been there? Have you have you been to the US? Do you do you know how how it is? Like or this is just like this story in your head. Like you they're trying to sell you a dream. That's not what it is. It's really better here, trust me. Now New York, um you really have to go there to understand because if you're British and you just happen to book a trip to New York, it is a bit of a culture shock. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> However, that being said, if you are used to the like, the London lifestyle and the hustle and, bu uh, the hustle and bustle of a big city, mm -hmm. then I think you'd be all right yeah. in New York because it is very similar in that It's a aspect. big city. It's Yeah, it's a big city. Yeah. And if you're a designer wanting to go to New York, um, I advise that you go and see Times Square, get it out of the way, go and see the amazing billboards and all the advertising boards and all the creativity there and then run a mile because you won't see any Americans there, you won't see any locals there, it's full of tourists and it's chaotically busy. You literally can't swing your cat. It's, no, it's a nightmare. It's a bit. It's a. It's so intense, so overwhelming. It's. It's really impressive. I've been there on New Year's at some point. It was the best time ever because I went to Times Square after the ball drop and everyone was gone. It was just the empty. It was like three a.m. Completely empty with confetti everywhere on the floor, but like all the big light. It was just magical. It's magical when there's no one. The pro the, the problem is the people. The people are the problem, but the place is really impressive. It is impressive. And I tell you what was really impressive. I really enjoyed looking at all the street art that's like scattered around the city, um, particularly in the Lower East Side. It's like on a super big scale as well, usually on like the side of a building and the super fine, super fine yeah. detail that always had like some kind of deep meaning to it. It was just, I really enjoyed that. And just being sat in a diner with a coffee, people watching. No, that's, that's one of my favorite activity in the world, people watching. 
it's so fascinating it is and i get a lot of my creativity coming through when i'm just sat like doing nothing or i'm sat people watching or um a lot of my creative ideas come through um come through when i'm actually driving just driving around doing nothing yeah no it is it's a being driving is a way of meditating and it's a the best way to channel ideas and uh just like focus on something process motion it's driving is yeah, really good i miss driving no i miss driving I'm, i'm not driving here like crazy stuff i wouldn't i drove to london before christmas and it was a fucking nightmare worst time of the year to drive yeah the worst oh time. god it was just hellish so staying on the topic of your creative ideas when did you decide or when did you realize that you were ready to level up to being a creative director it's a really also a really good question um as i said I've been through a lot of different jobs in this industry uh, to begin with because when I was in school, I thought I wanted to be a choreographer. I was really into dance for like 15 years. So I wanted to do stage and then I wanted to do theater. I wanted to do TV. Um, and so I did like some uh, extra role, you know, like uh, extra in TV and film and stuff like that. Did a lot of dance. And then I moved into being behind the scene. Um, when I was like 20 and then I started to work um, on set as like a dresser in a costume so I did TV and I did cinema and then on the side I was starting to do styling for like my friends and stuff like that I had friends in the music and that were doing music they were not in the music industry we were 20 we were just all starting life yeah. so I was just doing styling for fun And then I was working for some some designer. Um, and then I think I realized I, at some point I was also working retail. I was working so many jobs until I was 25. I was just working. I started working when I was 15. And like uh, since I never stopped, I just tried a lot of different things. I was just trying to find my way and trying to find what I like. It always For me, it was always about, and this is going to sound cheesy, but this was this is what I wrote in my yearbook in high school. It was always about making music visible in different kind of way. So if it was for dance or like styling, it was just always about making music visible. And I think it was like 25 when I was like really like, I felt like I was stuck. I was doing styling, but I was like, this is not it. I know I don't want to be a dancer. I know I don't want to be an actress, but like, like styling is not enough. So I was like, I'm sure there's something else. And then um, I just thought about being a creative director without really knowing what it meant. And I just tapped into it and decided that I will be trying to talk with the artist I was styling, ask them if I can organize a shoot, if I can create a concept for artwork. And then just from there, I opened my own studio with my friends and back in Quebec in, in Montreal and she was doing photos. She was a photographer and I was doing creative direction and styling. So my way that to sell my creative direction skills was to start as a stylist with, with all my different clients. And I stopped, I stopped it styling when I moved to the UK in 2020 so and I decided that it was going to be only creative direction so it was a long process but yeah that's how that's how I made it to where I am yeah and it's 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 not something you can just wake up one day and be like I'm going to be a creative director today that's just oh, yeah. 
that's just not how it works. You, there is so many levels beforehand that you need to achieve and iron out and and get familiar with before you can just jump into that role because there's so much that you need to understand about a campaign, about the visuals that you're doing, about the message you're yeah. putting across, yeah, like, I, end goal, I, targets, you, planning. Exactly, so many things. I feel like having some base some like basic marketing skills and oh 100 like being a creative director for me it's like it's a calling you have to have this thing inside you that makes you see the full picture that that like you always see the full picture you always have a step back it's not just about one asset it's about the whole project it's about the storytelling it's about um what the music says what the artist is um so it is just it's it's inside you or, or it's not really yeah and it's a similar sort of um story to how i got into it as well to be honest um i started my entire career well my entire career started or my like experimentation with design started by editing people's photographs um and i became really good at that to the point where i was ready to experiment <laughs> with something else and that's when i delved into into design a bit more but my first proper in-house design job was for a crafting company many years ago um and i've learned so much about marketing and social media through that place that it it, it taught me it gave me the tools and the knowledge for me to progress even further um and um after a while i started experimenting with motion design and then i became really good at that so once i'd done that i thought i want to be involved in like an, an entire campaign and how that campaign rolls out and how it looks on all different platforms and um and that's yeah. pretty much where i am today yeah and i want to talk about planning um like I know everybody's completely different the way they do their planning, but um, I want you to talk me through your process in planning because actually one thing that I I really struggle with is, and I probably shouldn't even be saying this, but is if I don't like your song, then I'm, I, I know that I'm going to struggle. <laughs> of course, because it, uh, it you have so much to do with this song. Like you have to hear it so many times and you have to be able to, I feel like the, the work is going to, feel and look better if you as a creative director relate to the song the storytelling is going to be better the visual are going to be better because you're going to put more heart into it and more emotion into it so yeah absolutely to resonate with the song is quite important that's for sure and you're creative director for new and upcoming artists Berin Olivia yes. so um so talk us through what it's like working on a project like that where she has such a specific style which is all styled by you um what was the planning involved um, in that? With Baron, um, she got okay. First thing first, when I get a song for a, when I get the the music for a new release, um, the first thing I'm trying to do is to tap into the artist's vision, whatever what that means. But I'm always first thing I will do is talk with the artist, understand where the song come from, what do they had in mind, because a lot of artists. Um, have a certain vision when they do a song that doesn't mean that the visual they have in their head is going to be what we're going to do but sometimes it's a color sometimes it's a, a specific story or um, a specific location or just like something that they can see in their mind so that's the first thing i try to do is to tap into the artist's vision and i think that tapping into an artist's vision is my strongest skill to be honest i have a really empathic 
personality so i'm like i have some time to take a step back because i'm tapping too much but it's really where um where my work uh starts and the most important part of my work because if i can tap into the artist's vision everything goes smoothly if we both tapping in the same vision it's just like easy and with baron baron has his uh, her own real like vision for a visual she knows the vibe she wants she knows the color she wants she does she trusts me because now i really understand what she 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 sees uh but she does have this specific vision and i love working with artists who does have a vision for their visual um some artists can think that because they know what they want they don't need a creative director but it that's not how it works like you can know what you want and bounce idea with back and forth with a creative director and make it something really great and the creative director is going to take your idea your vision and make it look even better and making sure that it resonates with you the artist and that it's true to the music so with Baron that's how we work um I'm always stepping into her vision I'm taking the time to listen to what she has to say and now we're doing more music video and the past music video we were like co-directing together because she have a specific vision and then I have a specific vision so we are literally co-directing video together so it's um it's a collaboration really I'm sure with every artist as well that when they're recording the song or when they're writing the song, um, I'm sure they will have some kind of visual in mind of what like the visual side of that music will look like. And I guess our job is actually to um, to be somewhat of of a mind reader and kind of bring that to life, which isn't always easy. Um, so I think it does always need to be like a bit of a um, collaborative effort. And talking about other artists as well, whose creative direction have you been enjoying over recent years? There's so many. There's so many. Um, I would say I think my favorite one was uh, Rosalia, her latest album. Everything Rosalia did, so everything was perfect. And more recent, Ray. Ray? I don't know. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing her name right. Everything she did, I'm like, yes. Did the music is so good. And that has been one of my favorite artworks for years. Um, you've got a big pile of of instruments and a um, a young Ray is stood on on the big pile of instruments and it's it, it's just brilliant the way it's been executed. And it's all the story the story behind like all the the storytelling that came with the album. It was really really personal but it was also talking about the industry and her own struggle with the industry but in such a nice way it was such a badass album i have nothing bad to say it's uh, it's like it's the blueprint and i don't know much about the process of that album cover i don't know if it's been uh, generated in ai beautiful. or it's been 3d rendered but um i'm not sure if it's actually real no, it was real. Oh, it's they real. used they used the same set on the day of the release. They put the same this the full like uh instrument set white, you know, like with all the title of the song. They used the set uh to as like a um, marketing uh promotion thing. They put it like in front of our old label outside, like no on, way. in the street. What an iconic move that so, is because she went independent. Oh my uh, exactly. She went independent so, because her label weren't releasing their music. Exactly. So they used the set design of the cover art and put it in front of the label. 
It was so badass. It was so the the release of this album was like. Mm, I mean, that whole campaign was a complete monster, and it was the biggest fuck you to a previous label. Mm-hmm. But in such a nice way, such a nice way. Like she made number one, and she was like, "Okay, thank you." And she like, and she's um and she's been nominated for seven Brits this year from an independent artist. That's pretty damn impressive. I think she's really well surrounded too. She have a really nice like I, because she's been in the industry for so long. She built a team around her that is not necessarily her label, but she clearly has a really good team. And she's a pretty yeah. sick songwriter as well. I know she's written songs for oh, yeah. like Beyonce. Oh yeah, she's really good. And I want to talk about this briefly because I thought that um, Ray's artwork may have had some kind of AI influences, but now that I know <laughs> that it doesn't, and you know that I'm an AI addict, how do you, um, how do you feel about it? You're so good with AI. You're so good. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I love everything you do. Oh, thank you. And um, AI is uh, AI is not easy. No. You know, you've got to be super specific. You're never going to get it right in the first in the first generation. It's just it's just not a thing. It's quite stressful. <laughs> um, but I know a lot of people think it's going to come in and sw- it's going to swoop in and steal your job. But that's never going to be the case because it's it's actually really hard. It is. Um, so I wanted to know if you used any AI in your creative direction. No, I use it in s- more for mood board right now at the oh, moment. It's such a great tool for mood boarding. Yeah, because sometimes instead of spending hours scrolling the internet trying to find what I have in my mind, I can work with AI. I still need to work on my AI skills because I tend to give up because it it is hard. After like 30 um prompt, 30 different prompts said like um like 30 different like uh how do you say that like reboot not reboot but um regeneration regeneration see ai word that i don't know um (laughs) (laughs) you you get tired you get frustrated you you know you need a little patience to go through it oh it can get boring (laughs) i'm like i I can can just do it myself at some point i'm just like i'm gonna i'm gonna do it myself thank you uh but i think it's something that we need to lean into because it still can be a really if good way to uh do more work or express our ideas or save on budget because you know you don't have to build sets or something but um personally my work is my style is a little bit more i feel like organic like i'm more about like you know real paper and and writing and i'm really more about the crafty side which is not really the look that AI give. AI give a certain look. And to make it look like it's not AI, that's the real skill. It is. Uh, it is. It, that's where the time goes. Uh, but yeah, so I want to experiment with AI. I don't think my style will ever be really like a good fit with it, but I, I, I want to get better at it because that's the world we live in now. And it is here to stay AI. And if you bring it into your work and yeah. you are ahead of your game, um, ahead of the game the way I've been with it, because I knew that it was something that I know that I could effectively use, and um, and use it to my advantage to create things where uh, might not be possible when artists have have a lower That's budget um, and they don't have the budget to build an entire set. You can actually create that in AI and then maybe add them in afterwards, which is what I've been doing a lot of recently. So I started learning AI last year so i've been learning it consistently every day for about eight nine months and 
it's 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 made my job very exciting and i can deliver things that i probably wouldn't have been able to before and i i don't see it as cheating at all i see it more as um a new process to get to a really good end result and the biggest uh, the biggest compliment that i can ever hear is uh, because obviously it, everyone's aware of ai now um is if people ask if it's real or not yeah i was like well if you don't know then i've done a good job it means you did a great job but uh, what you do is ai but you also like work on it on photoshop and like it's not just oh, yeah, pure that, ai 100%. yeah that's important to like 100 like there's been i've never generated an image that has not required me to to add any kind mm -hmm. of finishing touches afterwards in in photoshop or if i want to add some kind of like convincing movement in um in after effects but ai is never just like the completed artwork it's always it's always like a starting point for me to then build onto that so it's never it's never just as simple as generating an image and then that's it completed never and if i'm working with a photographer and i'm building a set for a scene yeah um then there's so many things i need to take into consideration mm -hmm. like for example if i'm getting the shots back from a shoe or um or from a photographer um i need to make sure that the scene that i've created matches the lighting of the shoe or maybe vice versa depending on what the arrangement is um and then i would then work on that afterwards just to add that little bit of depth of realism to the scene and to the shot exactly it's it's a tool it's not like a cr it's not like it, you yeah, hire someone right. it's a tool that creative use it's like because you need to have all those other skills in order to oh, do completely it. i mean i like, recently yeah. um i recently worked on some artwork and it took 150 generated images for me to get to that one image that i was happy to start using as a starting point for the artwork so there is a lot to consider the, and a lot of work I've, involved have you seen the meme like ai can sell or can take or can't take the jo or job wait yeah. have you seen the meme <laughs> yeah. about the fact that ai can't take her job because, uh, because you need the to be client needs to be. <laughs> yeah, I've seen and it. I'm like, that's so true. That's all we need to know. Yeah, that's all no we more. like. That's it. <laughs> I've got a really fun question for you now. Um, if you could be a creative director in any era of music, when would that be and why? Oh wow. Um, okay. I'm gonna be a little boring, but today to be honest like i'm really glad i'm doing the work i'm doing right now in this time as a woman also i wouldn't go back in time that's um, a valid point and and also like i feel like there's everything is possible right now we can do either ai or something crafty or stop motion or like super complicated 3d um stuff so i feel like there's so many possibility right now so we, there's more voices more inclusivity um i feel like it's what we can do now is so beautiful meaningful and important and it's not just about now being like having an artist that is like cute or you know like the 80s night like the y2k was about but it's more about like the story the person the character um yeah so i'm really glad i'm doing my job right now which is nice because that's that's what it is so <laughs> and to be fair we've got so many trends from like previous eras of music that are just like making uh, you know making their way back now anyway oh my god so many of them so many of them oh 
So let's talk about pressure and how you manage your workload. Because I know you're an incredibly busy woman. You've got uh, so much going on and you've yeah. got a life outside work. <laughs> Do I? <laughs> yeah, um. uh, yeah, nobody has a life when you're a freelancer. <laughs> so how do you manage your day-to-day when the pressure builds up? Uh, that's such a good good question. Okay, so let's we're going to be honest here. Just going to say things as they are. I started by uh, having a meltdown usually when I get overwhelmed. Once I have a meltdown... <laughs> literally me then i can relax <laughs> we all have to go through it like you have to freak out about it first and then you can move on um i used to be a workout like like or i was when i was younger uh and i went through a big big burnout when i was 27 and that taught me so much because i had to from like the first three years of the burnout the burnout a a real burnout lasts three to five years like a real hard one and that's what i've been through so the the first three years i had to create new boundaries and that's when i learned how to create boundaries while you work uh so now i have a lot of um way to cope with stress and overwhelm because i can get overwhelmed quite easily it's a creative so it it gets really overwhelmed when you have multiple projects uh because you you need to be creative but you also need to stay on budget stay on deadline to be like also your own like assistant and manager and all that stuff uh, so it's it can 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 be a lot so what i do now when every time i get overwhelmed by my work i take a break which sounds for me so concentrative like so like you know it's not what I used to do. I used to just work more so I can do the work, you know? So I take a break. I do lists. I have so many lists. I'm a list woman. Everything is on the list. So I know what I have to do. Everything is clear for me. And when I take a break, I go for a walk. I take a bath. I just get my head out of my work for like 20, 30 to one minute to one hour. Well, 30 minutes to one hour of like not working. And I usually do the work for me. And I take my weekend off, which is big. Unless there's like a last, like a a big project or something I have to do. Absolutely. But my burnout also teaches me that uh, we work in music. We don't save life. So your mental health is more important than like your work. So, yeah. And I think that's probably the best advice you can give people who are, um, you know, toying with the idea of actually coming into music is actually it, it can be super demanding. Um, nobody makes a decision until the last minute. You've got to be on call all the time. You've yeah. got to be. You've got to make yourself available for last minute changes. Mm. And yeah, it, it, it's a lot to deal with. There's like, oh yeah. And I've had yeah. a burnout in the past when I've had too much work on, but I've always thought, oh well, that's just part of the lifestyle, which it fucking shouldn't be, but it is. No, no, it shouldn't be. <laughs> we just yeah. torture ourselves. Oh my god. <laughs> and the thing is, when you get to a point of a burnout, it, it it takes longer to recover from that burnout than it does to get to the point where you feel like you're losing it. Um, and I think that's um, you know you have to be super disciplined where that's concerned oh my god yes it is and it's because especially a couple years ago and especially like in America and Canada like the grind is like is so people love the grind you think that you need to work all the time in order to be worthy or like not taking like a weekend is a crime like literally from where I come from and yeah it's true that like people are working really really hard here here in the UK and like the the work-life balance is 
is not perfect, but let's say that it's better than America. Like the work-life balance in like the US and Canada is so fucked. Sorry, I don't know if I can say fucked on your podcast, but um, oh, swear is just a day-to-day part of my vocab. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucked. Like you're in the hospital, like but you still answer email and taking a weekend is a crime and like you need to be available all the time and i feel like in the uk is still it's still intense but people have more respect for time off people take a like a full month off and summer i'm like what is that here people are just gone for all august i'm like what 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 is that this is all new to me like what i don't understand but i love that that's why i'm here love that and i think the thing is you've got to know your own limits and you've got to set your own boundaries because um we're creatives and we can't be creative if we are drowning in all sorts of mental issues because we're under pressure mm-hmm. or mm. we're or we're stressed out but actually do you know when you return from a burnout you're never quite the same because you never want to give 100 percent because you're cautious yeah. No, you never will. It's like a part of you dies. With, it's so intense, but it's true. Like, and we come back with like a fucking armor on us. You, you do. For me, it's like all this. Like, I had a shelf, a shelf, a shelf, a shelf. You know, like a a shell, a shell of like, I can do it. There's no problem. I'm like, like you know, like a superwoman shell of like. I have no limit, no need of resting. I was like thinking that was me. And then the burnout just killed that. And now I'm just like, when I'm tired now, I feel it and I have to stop. Like my body is just like, yep, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. I'm like, I'm done for today. I'm like, okay, I have to. Or my work is shit. Yeah. So. Yeah. And when you do come back fully, um, you never give like, you never give, you, you never give 100%. There's always like 20% that you hold back for yourself. It's the twenty. No, nah, it was never made to be like used. That twenty percent you used was never meant to be used. Like it's you were working on. And that's a threshold. Yeah. And that yeah. is, uh, you know, that is the boundary that once you start entering that twenty percent, that should be, you know, reserved for you, is when you can feel the burnout building. And I think when you recognize that, but I think you probably have to go through a burnout to really get to that point mm-hmm. to really put that into action. But mm-hmm. um, I think for freelancers. Um, it's really easy to dip into that 20% when you've got like a pressing deadline mm. rather than just saying, nope, I'm not doing it. You're yeah. in the 20%. No, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> because this 20% is never your best work. It's just... It's never worth the stress. It's never your best work. <laughs> and my weekends are mine now. Uh, like, um, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't work weekends. Um, I will on like the odd occasion if there's something completely unavoidable. But what I've learned is... I could spend every hour God sends on a weekend trying to get a job done. I'll send it across yeah. and I'll feel that relief. And then actually they won't look at it till the fucking Tuesday anyway. <laughs> exactly. And I'm sure that you didn't lose any contract or you didn't lose any client client because you don't work weekend. Like it doesn't change anything. And you're no better thought of, so don't do it. Exactly. It's not worth it. And I think the biggest, um, I think the biggest battle that most of us creatives actually go through is learning to say no mm-hmm. is like spending time and actually properly evaluating whether this project is something you want to do or if it's worth it or if you've got time to do it I've, yeah it takes some time and it's normal to say yes a lot at the beginning because you want to learn and you don't know yet what yeah. you're gonna like exactly you don't know but 
the more you learn, the more you're in this industry, the easier it gets to feel when a project is right or wrong for you, but then you have to act on it. And it's all about personal discipline. Oh yeah, that's a hard one. That's a really hard one. And I'm not ashamed to say that I am really scared of ever getting to another burnout because it was it, it really yeah. ruined my life. Oh my God, this is, it's, it's one of my worst nightmares. That's why I have boundaries because there's no way I'm going back yeah. there. It's yeah. terrifying. It is. Yeah, yeah. But... And that really showed when we both worked on the Ever Match project um, that we both had boundaries in place. Yeah, yeah. And we were both pretty ruthless being like, nope, we're not doing it this weekend. We'll do it next weekend or we'll do it in That's the evenings, true. but we're not doing it this weekend. And oh. <laughs> we were pretty yeah. bossy, weren't we? Oh, luckily, we had the same boundaries because I guess that if we didn't, they would have been <laughs> not that good. Yeah. Well, my next topic was actually going to be what advice mm -hmm. would you give to younger creatives wanting to be a freelancer? But I think you've pretty mm -hmm. much just answered that. I mean, if there's one other ad advice that I would love... So like I would love to had got like someone told me like I would love to go back in time and tell my younger self is like be where you want to be found and be yourself like be yourself and your work and what you do don't try to follow any trends because that's all going away anyway just be yourself and share your work especially now it's so easy share your work be yourself and be where you want to be found that's it there's no there's no other way to make it in this industry and just and be authentic yeah just be authentic because you can be asking someone else <laughs> if you start on the wrong foot if you start by selling something you're not oh my god uh yeah it's, people it's see still right a, through you yeah it's still a work in progress for me because like to now it's getting Listen, easier you speak better english than most british nationals in this country stop it stop it, stop it. i'm still so self-conscious of that like that i'm not like when i'm on set on a photo shoot or a video that's where it's the most hard for me because i when you try to explain your idea Sometimes it's hard. It's hard to, sp to explain your idea in your first language because it's so abstract. Yeah. Trying to tell my what my vision sometimes is just like sometimes people just laugh to be honest, and I don't I I don't blame them. Like I'm just here trying to explain something that doesn't make sense to anyone, but I'm like I can see it in my head. But it's a work in progress, and I learn to try to love my accent, even if it's weird. Um, people really don't know where I come from. The, like it's a mystery they're like are you from france no but you don't have a french accent but like you don't have an american accent and i'm like no i have celine dion accent that's what i have you do exactly the same <laughs> exactly me and celine same thing and it's the same when i was a kid as well when i had a really bad stutter i mean it's just such a non-issue in yeah. my life now it's like it's just like yeah um uh, yeah those days are gone so rounding this off now so who is on the lorry tb client wish list this question is so tricky for me like i have such a hard time doing a list for me it's so hard because i'm sure you know working with your idol never a good idea uh, you don't want to do that so you don't want to break the magic you don't want to like yeah, go behind the scene <laughs> so i do like 
all I the do, artists. I am really good at arguing with people yeah. as well, and um, I've got a bit of intolerance for like arsehole. <laughs> So I think if, if I ever worked with, with one of my true idols and they ended up being really disappointed and was like rude to me, I'd probably be like, you're a prick, bye. That's, that's epic though. I wish I had the courage to say stuff like that. Um, love that though. Uh, I'd maybe say it to my yeah, friends I... and not to them. <laughs> you have some time to, you know, don't say exactly what you think in order to work. Um, so all the artists that I look up to are not on my wish list because I look up to them and I like them and I'm just like I want to see what they're gonna do I want to see what they're gonna come up with yeah that's a really um, good point I love to work with artists from the ground up I love to build branding I love to see like an artist like coming like being born um so I'm more about like trusting that the right artists are gonna come at the right time and I'm just you know it's more a question of a right fit and both like me and the artist being both on the same page and having fun and having budget and yeah that's all i want really i'm like i let i, I want to let lives surprise me but like you know like the ava ever max project was such a good fit and i was not expecting like that would be such a good fit for me and i was like yeah that's such a good fit so i'm like i try to stay open and um to to see what like yeah who, who who like will relate to my work and knock on my door and i'd be like hey hi yeah well laurie thank you so much for joining me on this podcast for a deep dive into your career thank you so much it was fun anytime yeah it's been great fun and you can see some of laurie's incredible work on her instagram if you want to follow her at laurie tv thank you for joining me again laurie yay thank you